worse than the Asha'ira themselves. Yani they're a group of the Asha'ira. But they are worse than those people who change the meaning. Because the implication of saying that we don't know what these names mean is to say that the majority or a large part of the Qur'an has no meaning that is understood. And that when Allah said, وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ It's like Chinese, and nobody understands what it is. It's just words you say and nobody has any understanding of what it is. And more than that, there is an insinuation that the Prophet ﷺ did not understand the Qur'an. And that the companions did not understand the Qur'an. And that the Qur'an was revealed in a language that is not understood by anybody at all. So this is in itself a worse opinion, even worse than those who change the meaning of the names of Allah And in reality, as some of the scholars said, and as Shaykh al-Islam himself indicated, rahimahullah, every mainstream Ash'ari and Maturidi generally will go through two phases. They will start off as a mainstream Yani Ash'ari, yani mainstream takallim, changing the meanings of the names of Allah. However, eventually they will be forced to admit that this methodology has no evidence for it in the Quran and the Sunnah, and it has ample evidence against it. So now what will they do? Will they change and become from Ahl Sunnah? Will they turn around and say, Astaghfirullah? I'm going to change now, I'm going to leave this methodology which is false and which is evil of changing the meanings of the names of Allah Most of them will not do so. Most of them when they realize their methodology is wrong, they will go to the second group. And they will become from the Mufawwidah. They will go to Tafwid and say, we don't know what it means. I agree with you. And usually when they are debated with, this is what will happen. When you debate with them, they will say, okay, I agree, my methodology is batil. It's absolute falsehood. It has no evidence for it. And there is ample evidence to contradict it. So then we just say, Allahu Alam. In reality, Ahl Sunnah, their tafweed, and tafweed means leaving it to Allah. Their tafweed is in the kayfiyah. Their tafweed is in how Allah does something. So when we are asked, how does Allah do something? We say, نُفَوِّضُ ذَلِكَ إِلَى اللَّهِ We leave this to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu alam. How does Allah speak? Allahu alam. How does Allah rise? Allahu alam. This is true. This is correct. As an answer to how, it is correct to say, Allah knows best. It is correct to make tafweed which we call tafweedul kayf, leaving how Allah does it to Allah. But as for the meaning, and saying the meaning is not known, and we have no idea what the meaning of Al-Malik Al-Quddus As-Salam is, then this is a worse opinion than the mainstream, Asha'ira and Maturidi and those people who walked upon this path. So we avoid At-Tahrif, which is to change the meaning from that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
clearly indicated in the Qur'an and which the Prophet ﷺ clearly indicated in the Sunnah. And it's very obvious and very clear that the Qur'an is in the clearest possible language. بِلِسَانٍ عَرَبِيٍّ مُبِينٍ In the clearest possible language. بِلِسَانٍ عَرَبِيٍّ مُبِينٍ That being understood, it is therefore not possible to say that Allah Azza wa Jal, when He said Ar-Rahmanu ala al-Arsh istawa, the Most Merciful has risen over the throne, that we should say Ar-Rahmanu ala al-Arsh istawla, the Most Merciful has conquered the throne. As the Ashaira and those who followed their methodology said, they said the meaning of risen is conquered. If Allah Azza wa Jal wanted to say conquered, He would have said conquered. And what kind of accusation is it against Allah to say that this Qur'an which is bilisan in Arabi in Mubin uses words that are not the apparent meaning of those words. Actually the meaning of this is not this. Actually Allah meant to say istawla, that He conquered it. This is an accusation against the concept that the Qur'an is in a clear Arabic language. And in reality why did they say this? We say okay, two things. If the meaning is istawla, conquered, then this meaning is not befitting to Allah Azza wa Jal. Because you only conquer something that you didn't own in the first place. You only conquer something that you never owned in the first place. So this meaning to say that the meaning of istiwa is conquered is completely false to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah Azza wa Jal doesn't need to conquer anything since He owns it from the beginning. Lahul Mulk. He has all of the dominion. Mulk. Blessed is the one who in his hand is all of the dominion. So was there a time when the Arsh did not belong to Allah that he had to conquer it? Of course not. The second problem is we say to them. Why do you need to change the meaning from its apparent meaning? Why did you feel the need to take this meaning and change it? Why? On what basis? They say, because it is not in accordance with al-aql. My mind cannot understand this concept. Or they say, it's not befitting for Allah to rise over the throne. You say, okay, it's not befitting for Allah. Who said it's not befitting for Allah? Allah said it about Himself. Who said that it's not befitting to Allah? They said, my aql said it's not befitting to Allah. My mind, my intellect said that it's not befitting to Allah. And that's why the number one principle of the mutakallimun, all of them, without a single exception, is al-aql fawq al-naql. That the intellect is superior and decisive over the Qur'an and the sunnah. And every one of them affirmed this principle. There is no Ash'ari and no Maturidi who knows their religion except that they say intellect is superior and decisive over the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Whereas Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah say that the text of the Qur'an and the text of the Sunnah is superior and decisive over the intellect. Because people's intellect differ. 
Some people understand, some people don't, even in this class. Sometimes I, I say something, some of you understand, some of you don't. So how can we possibly make the intellect decisive over the Qur'an? We come back to this question, why is it not befitting to Allah? They say, because you are comparing Allah to His creation. His creation rises, but He doesn't rise. And this is why you understand a very important principle here. That everyone who does tahrif, everyone who does diverts the meaning, only does so because they first compared Allah to His creation. If they had not compared Allah to His creation in their mind, they would never have taken this meaning away from Allah Because Ahlul Sunnah said, there is no issue. Allah said, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٌ وَهُوَ السَّمِعُ الْبَصِيرُ There is nothing like Him and He is the all-hearing, the all-seeing. And human beings can see and hear. But our hearing is not like Allah's hearing and our sight is not like our sight. Alhamdulillah, no issues, no confusion there. Everything is nice and easy and simple. So why can you not say the same thing about Allah rising over the throne? That His rising is not like His creation rises. But it's in a way that befits His majesty and His perfection and His supremacy. What's the issue with that? As long as you say it's not the way that the creation does it. As long as you say it's not the way that the creation does it, you have no problem. But we understand that everyone who makes taharif, everyone who changes the meaning, only did so because they first of all intellectually compared Allah to His creation. They first of all said, Allah is like His creation and therefore Allah cannot rise like His creation rises. So they changed the meaning. And they are the ones who compared Allah to His creation. Ahlul Sunnah did not do this. They are the ones who compared Allah to His creation. Because the only reason they changed the meaning is because when they read the first meaning, they read it as being the same as Allah's creation. They said, Allah rises the same way that His creation rises, therefore it cannot be true, therefore we have to change the, the meaning. If they held the principle that Allah is different from His creation, they would not have any problem whatsoever in affirming that Allah rolls over his throne or that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees or that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears or any of the other attributes, names that Allah affirmed for himself or the Prophet affirmed for him. So we understood the principle that tahrif works upon. It works upon the principle of al-aqal fawqandaqal. The principle that intellect is superior to and decisive over the text. And secondly, it works on the principle of comparing Allah to His creation. Because the only reason they denied this attribute for Allah or changed its meaning is because first of all in their minds, they read it as being the same as Allah's creation. This is At-Tahrif. The second one that the Shaykh mentioned, At-Ta'atil. And that is denying. And there are lots of ways as we said of denying. One is to deny the name. One is to deny the attribute within the name. Or to deny part of that, such as denying the action. 
All of this is a kind of ta'atil, denial. And a takif. A takif is asking how. And the most important thing you understand with that takif is that not asking how does not mean that we don't know the meaning. Distinguish between the meaning and the how. This is very important. Because a lot of people when they came to say we don't know how Allah does something, they denied the meaning of the name. And this is the essence of, as we said, the mufawwidah. That they basically said, when you deny how Allah does something, you must also deny the meaning of the name. Ahl sunnah said, no. Like Imam Malik said, when a man came to him and said, how does Allah rise over his throne? He said, Al-istiwa'u ghayru majhul. The meaning of istiwa is not unknown to us. And let me explain that a little bit with regard to the creation. Not with regard to Allah, I'll explain to you with regard to the creation. When I tell you that a man rose, in, in Arabic we use the word istiwa or istawa, he rose up onto his horse. And I tell you the sun rose up in the sky. And I tell you that the steam rose up into the air or the balloon rose up into the air. All of those share a meaning and are different in, in, in a meaning. None of them rise in the same way. The way that the sun rises is not the same as the way that the, the, the steam rises in the air. And it's not the same way as a person mounts an animal. They're all different in their specific application. But the general meaning of rising is understood. And all of them share a common trait. For example, when I talk to you about a hand, and I say the hand of a clock, and the hand of an animal, and the hand of a human being. When I talk about those hands, and the hand of an animal, and the hand of a human being, and the hand of a clock, they're not the same. They're not the same. And even in Arabic, we might refer to the, the hoof of an animal as a hand. That hoof is not the same as a human hand, and that hand is not the same as the hand of a clock. But they all share a common meaning. They all share a common meaning. That common meaning is understood. As for the specific application of how it applies to Allah, that is not understood. And how does Allah speak? How does Allah see? How does Allah hear? Like Imam Malik said, Al-Istiwa'u ghayru majhul. The meaning of istiwa is not unknown. We know, what the, we know what rising is. Everybody knows what rising is. Nobody thinks rising means going down. And no one, if you said, this thing, it just rose. It started rising. Nobody looks down in the floor for it. Everybody knows what, the, the, what rising means in a general sense. 
But the difference between different objects in the creation of Allah and how they rise, they all rise in, in different ways. They're not the same. And likewise, Allah Azza wa Jal said that He rose over the throne. But the meaning of how this applies specifically to Allah Azza wa Jal, we don't know. So the key thing with how is, we don't confuse the meaning versus how it applies to Allah. The meaning we know. The word rising is not a new word for us that we never, it's not alif lam meem. You know, we never heard this word before. It's not alif lam meem. It's a word that we understand. We know how it is. We know the different things that we can say istawa for. We know all the different things we can say that for. But we don't know how that applies specifically to Allah The second thing that is very important about At-Taki for asking how is that Allah Himself knows. Again, some people might say nobody knows how Allah rises over the throne. This is an incorrect statement. Because to say nobody knows is to deny that Allah Himself knows. Rather, as Imam Malik said, وَالْكَيْفُ غَيْرُ مَعْقُولٌ How it happens cannot be understood by our intellect. How it happens cannot be understood by our intellect. As for Allah Azza wa Jal, He knows how He rises and how He descends and how He speaks and how He sees and how He hears. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that and that is not difficult for Allah Azza wa Jal who is Al-Alim, he knows everything. So we should not confuse these issues. When we're asked about how, we say that the how refers to the specifics of how that applies to Allah. As for the general meaning, we understand it and we affirm it for Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah Azza wa Jal rises. Okay, that's affirmed for Allah in, a, in the general meaning of the word. As for the specifics, only Allah Azza wa Jal knows how that applies. Wala tamthil. And as we said, tamthil comes from a mithil. Tamthil comes from al mithil. I need to compare Allah Azza wa Jal to say that Allah is. Mithlu khalqihi is like his creation. And again, the most important thing in tamthil is that we don't deny the attribute itself. Because we might run away from tamthil and fall into ta'atil. We might run away from comparing Allah to his creation and fall into denying the attribute. By saying Allah doesn't have a hand, because this is like his creation. Allah doesn't rise because this is like his creation. Allah doesn't see because this is like his creation. Allah doesn't hear because this is like his creation. If we did that then, we would end up falling into ta'atil, denying the name or denying the attribute. So really the most, the key thing in, the, in all of these four is that a, you remain in balance you never ever run away from one into the other you never run away from one into the other and that is what the ayah means when the shaykh said 
بل يؤمنون بأن الله سبحانه ليس كمثله شيء وهو السميع البصير. They believe that Allah, there is nothing like Him, and He is the all hearing, the all seeing. So when you see this, you see this ayah is perfectly balanced in the sense that it doesn't fall into any one of these four. Ta'atil is denied by the ayah. Denial because Allah Azza says, وَهُوَ السَّمِعُ الْبَصِيرُ He is the all-hearing, the all-seeing. So there's no denial. At the same time, there is no comparing Allah to His creation because Allah said, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ There is nothing like Him. At the same time, there is no changing of the meaning. And at the same time, when we say that there is nothing like Him, we still say that He is a Sami' al-Basir. So you see in this ayah, there is a, a balance between all of these things that we don't fall into any of them. Because the biggest reason why all of these sects and groups appeared is because they ran away from one into the other. The Ashairah and the Maturidiyah mostly came about running away from the Mu'tazira. Who probably, any groups of them came about, any the two groups came about running away from the Jahmiyyah. And this is the normal situation with sectarianism in Islam. Is that one sect appears running away from the other one. So one sect is here trying to escape the other sect. So they make a belief that actually falls into another problem. So a group of people come along and say, Allah does not hear. Then a group say, no, 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 Allah, he, Allah hears, but we don't know what hearing means. Then another group comes along and they want to run away from that. So they say, no, 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 we know what hearing means, but it doesn't mean, he, it doesn't mean hearing, it means knowing. It doesn't mean hearing, it means knowing. And that's the strangest thing to say. To say that hearing means knowing. For the simple reason that knowing is also part of the creation of Allah Don't we know things? And if you say that we don't affirm hearing because it's from the creation of Allah. But we say that hearing means knowing. We say, okay, and don't human beings know things? Okay, human beings know things. Therefore, you can't say that Allah knows anything also. Because if you say that He knows something, then you're also comparing Him to His creation. And that's why that when you, you know, when you reach the end of the Asha'ira, when you've debated with them and you reach the end of their opinions, they will just say Allahu A'la. Because ultimately you cannot say, when you say that As-Sami'ul Basir, it means Al-Alim. means the one who knows everything. But the problem is human beings also know things. So you just said that Allah doesn't hear because human beings hear. You just said Allah doesn't hear because human beings hear. But then you said Allah knows. Okay, but human beings also know. So how do we then get out of this? They will say Allahu A'la. Say no, there's no way out of this. There is no way out of this sea. Out of drowning in this sea except to say what Ahl Sunnah said. That we believe in what Allah described Himself with and what the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam described Allah with without denying, without changing the meaning, without saying how, and without comparing Allah to His creation. And that way is perfectly described in the ayah, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٌ وَهُوَ السَّمِعُ الْبَصِيرُ The ayah perfectly, perfectly lays that out. And that's why this ayah in, is enough 
for the person who understands it to affirm the belief of Ahl Sunnah with regard to the names and attributes. You don't need more than this ayah. This ayah explains everything. There's nothing similar to him. Therefore, you cannot ask how. Because you can't ask how since there is nothing similar to him that you can compare him to. Because you can only understand how something is by one of three things, as we said. Either you see it, and we all admit that none of us have seen Allah. Azzawajal will not see Allah until we die. Or you compare it to something, and we've all said that we can't compare Allah to anything. Or you have a reliable report, and Allah has not told us, nor has His Messenger told us how He does things. Therefore, this ayah denies a takif and it denies a tamthir in the beginning. This denies a ta'atil, it gets rid of ta'atil, it gets rid of denial, and it gets rid of changing the meaning, since Allah said, al-basir. And we never say in Arabic, not once, not in poetry, not in any single form of Arabic literature, is as-sami' used for anything other than someone who hears. Noise al-basir used for anything other than someone who sees. We come to the end of it and it's very simple. The belief of Ahl sunnah is so simple. In fact, the belief of Ahl sunnah is simple. Explaining the belief of the deviant groups is complicated. And when I try to explain to you the belief of these people, it's actually hard to explain what they believe. When I try to explain what we believe, it's very simple. Whatever Allah said about Himself, we believe in it, but we don't compare Him to His creation, we don't ask how, we don't deny, and we don't change the meaning. The meaning is what it is. What Allah said about Himself, Allah knows best what to say about Himself. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ar-Rahmanu ala arsh istawa, that was the choice of Allah to use those words. So Allah knows better about the words that He uses for Himself. And that's the end of it. And the Shaykh continues. So they do not fala yanfuna anhuma wasafa bihi nafsa. They do not deny what he described himself with. Wala yuharifuna al kalima amma wadi'i. And they do not deviate or change the words from their original meanings. And this is interesting that he uses these words in Arabic because this is mentioned in the Quran. Regarding some of Ahlul Kitab, that they change the meanings of words in their scripture. And so Allah has warned the Muslims against changing the meanings that are revealed in. The scripture. يُحَرِّفُونَ الْكَلِمَةَ عَمَّ وَاضِعِهِ They change the meaning of what is revealed to them in their scripture away from its intended meaning. وَلَا يُلْحِدُونَ فِي أَسْمَاءِ اللَّهِ وَآيَاتِهِ And they do not deviate or practice deviation. Here, ilhad means to deviate. They do not deviate with regard to the names of Allah and His ayat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to us in another comprehensive ayah regarding the names of Allah Azza wa Jal. وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا وَذَرُوا الَّذِينَ يُلْحِدُونَ فِي أَسْمَائِهِ 
to Allah belong the best and perfect names. So make dua to Him with them. And abandon all those who practice deviancy with regard to His names. So Allah is telling you there will come groups, there will come people who will deviate regarding the names of Allah. There will come a people who will deviate with regard to Allah's names. And that's why Allah tells us, keep away from those people who deviate. There are lots of kinds of ilhad. We maybe mentioned some of them in the... Um, when we spoke about al-qawa'id uh, al-muthla, the, the, the lofty principles of Allah's names and attributes. But from there are lots of types of ilhad. From the types of ilhad is to give the name of Allah to someone else. Like when the mushrikeen said, we only know the Rahman of Al-Yamama, meaning Musaylama Al-Kadhab. We only know the Rahman of Al-Yamama, Rahman Al-Yamama, meaning Musaylama Al-Kadhab. From the meanings of Ilhad, of de- deviancy with regard to Allah's names, is to deny them. Like when they said, Qalu Rahman. They said, Who is Ar-Rahman? We don't know anyone called Ar-Rahman. And they did not say this genuinely, but they said this in, you know, denial, in, uh, you know, being stubborn and being, and being uh, obstinate and not agreeing to what the Prophet ﷺ said. When it said to them, Make sajda to Ar-Rahman. They said, who is Ar-Rahman? Like Fir'aun. When Fir'aun was asked by Musa, he said, who is Rabbul Alameen? It's not like Fir'aun did not know who is Rabbul Alameen. Fir'aun knew fine well who is Rabbul Alameen. And he knew who Musa intended by the words Rabbul Alameen. But he wants to have an argument with him. So he says, Who is Rabbul Alameen? Tell me. And we covered more types of ilhad earlier on, but this is just a recap. And reality is that ilhad or deviancy with regard to Allah's names is deviancy with regard to his ayat as well. Because where did we get these names from? We got these names from the ayat of Allah Azza wa Jal. وَلَا يُكَيِّفُونَ وَلَا يُمَثِّلُونَ صِفَاتِهِ They do not ask how and they do not compare Allah's attributes بِصِفَاتِ خَلْقِهِ with the attributes of His creation. لِأَنَّهُ سُبْحَانَ لَا سَمِيَّ لَهُ Because He, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, has no sami as Allah Azza wa Jal said in Surah Maryam Rabbu samawati wal ardi wa ma baynahuma fa'budhu wastabir li ibadati hal ta'lamu lahu samiyya Lord of the heavens and the earth and whatever is between them so worship him and be consistent in his worship do you know of anyone who has or who is a Sami, 
to Allah. Sami means someone who shares his names. And sometimes in the ayah we say, do you know anyone who is comparable to Allah? But the meaning of a sami, and he's someone who shares the names of Allah Azza who has the names of Allah and his attributes. وَلَا And there is no one equal or comparable to him. We get this from the end of Surah Al-Ikhlas. وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ كُفُوًا There is nothing equal or comparable to Allah Azza wa Jal. So Allah has no sami, no one who, who takes his names. And no kufr, no one who is similar or comparable or equal to him. وَلَا and he has no partner. So Allah has no sami, no one who takes his names. And no one who is similar or equal to him. And he doesn't have a nid, someone who shares a bit of what he has. And a nid, someone who shares a tiny piece of what he has, like this, just a piece. And a nid is less than al kufr. Al-Kufr is someone who is equal to Allah or comparable to Allah. Like saying there are two gods and they are both equal or comparable. And a nid is just to say that Allah Azza wa Jal and he like has 99% and someone has 1%. Allah has no sami and no kufr and no nid. He has no one who shares his names and no one who is equal to him and no one who has any share of what he has. Not even 0.01%, nothing. وَلَا يُقَاسُ بِخَلْقِهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى And Allah Azza wa cannot be compared or made analogy or there can be no analogy made between Him and His creation. You can't make an analogy between Allah and His creation. فَإِنَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ أَعْلَمُ بِنَفْسِهِ وَبِغَيْرِهِ because Allah Azza wa Jal, Sheikh is going to give the reason. Why Allah Azza wa Jal, and why do we believe all of this? Because Allah knows Himself as well as others better. Allah knows Himself better. And this is what we say when it comes to changing the meaning. Why change the meaning Allah knows Himself better? Or do you know Allah better than Allah knows Himself? So that you say that when Allah said He rose, He didn't rise. And when Allah said He sees, He didn't see. And when Allah said He heard, He didn't hear. Do we know Allah better or does Allah know Himself better? Allah knows Himself better. And Allah knows us better than we know ourselves. So Allah is أَعْلَمُ بِنَفْسِهِ وَبِغَيْرِهِ Allah knows Himself better and knows us better. So there is no need for us to change or to deviate the meaning away from its intended meaning. وَأَصْدَقُ قِيلَ And Allah is the most truthful in speech. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَمَنْ أَصْدَقُ مِنَ اللَّهِ قِيلَ And Allah Azzawajal said, وَمَنْ أَصْدَقُ مِنَ اللَّهِ حَدِيثًا Who is more truthful than Allah in statement? Who is more truthful than Allah in speech? No one is more truthful than Allah Azzawajal. 
So Allah chose the most appropriate and the most truthful words to describe himself with. Because Allah told us in the Quran, وَمَنْ أَصْدَقُ مِنَ اللَّهِ قِيلًا Who is more truthful than Allah in speech? So Allah chose the most truthful words to describe himself with. وَأَحْسَنُ حَدِيثًا مِنْ خَلْقِهِ And he is better in speech than his creation. So when you choose to change the meaning, or when someone chooses to change the meaning, from al-istiwa to al-istila, for example, from rising to conquering, Allah is more truthful and better in speech than His creation. So whatever you've changed the meaning to is not as good as the meaning that Allah said for Himself, subhanahu wa ta'ala. ثُمَّ رُسُلُهُ صَادِقُونَ مُصَدِّقُونَ بِخِلَافِ الَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ عَلَيْهِ مَا لَا يَعْلَمُونَ Then on top of that, his messengers are صَادِقُونَ They are truthful. مُصَدِّقُونَ They are believed by the... They, their, their message is believable. It is believed in by the people. As opposed to those people who say about Allah what they don't know. So which side do you want to be on? Did the Prophet ﷺ ever say that al-istiwa means al-istila? Did he ever stop the Sahaba and said, When you say al-Rahman wa ala al-Arsh istawa, please be aware that the meaning of rising here is conquering. Never. Did Abu Bakr say this or Umar or Uthman or Ali? Never. Did any of the Sahaba say this? Never. Did any of the Imams of the Tabi'een say this? Sayyid uh, Ibn al-Musayyib, Sayyid al-Musayyib, or al-Hasan uh, al-Basri, al-Zuhri, did any of them say this? None of them. So won't you, which side do you want to be on? You want to be on the side of those people who 300 years after the Prophet ﷺ decided to change the meaning of the Qur'an, or you want to be on the side of the Prophets and the Messengers? who were the most truthful and whose message was believed. No doubt this is a choice between those who know about Allah and speak with knowledge and those who don't know about Allah and they speak without knowledge. وَلِهَذَا قَالْ سُبْحَانَ رَبِّكَ رَبِّ الْعِزَّةِ عَمَّا يَصِفُونَ وَسَلَامٌ عَلَى الْمُرْسَلِينَ وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Then Shaykh quotes from Surah Safat, ayah number 180-182. سُبْحَانَ رَبِّكَ The word سُبْحَان is what we call كَلِمَةُ تَنْزِيهِ It is a word of exaltation. Of declaring Allah to be free of imperfections. Declaring Allah to be free of imperfections. Rabbil Izzah, the Lord of Al Izzah, of might and honor. Amma Yasifun, over what they describe him with. Who describes him with? You can understand this from the next ayah, wa salamun al mursaleen, that the messengers are safe. The meaning of salam is safety and security. So when Allah said, وَسَلَامٌ عَلَى الْمُرْسَلِينَ 
that the messengers are safe from describing him with something that is not befitting to him. But those people who oppose the messengers, they are those who described for Allah what Allah did not describe himself with. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Exalted is your Lord, the Lord of might and honor over what they describe him with. But the messengers, they are they have a salam from Allah, safety and security from falling into these issues of describing Allah with what Allah does not deserve to be described with. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And then Allah affirms for Himself that He has Alhamd, every kind of praise based upon love and honoring and greatness. And that He is Rabbul Alameen, one of the names of Allah Azzawajal, Ar-Rabb. And some of the scholars affirmed for Allah the name Rabbul Alameen. That Allah is Lord of the Alameen. And if it's not a name, then it's definitely a description of Allah. The Shaykh said, Then Allah declared himself to be perfect and far away from what they described the people who opposed his messengers described him with and Allah gave salam to the mursaleen because of the correctness of what they said in saying that Allah has no deficiency and no defect وَهُوَ سُبْحَانَهُ قَدْ جَمَعَ فِيمَا وَصَفَ وَسَمَّ بِهِ نَفْسَهُ بَيْنَ النَّفِي وَالْإِثْبَاتِ This is the next point that the Shaykh is going to make. That Allah Azza wa Jal has joined in what He described Himself with and named Himself with between denial and affirmation. In other words, there are things that Allah Azza wa Jal denied about Himself and there are things that Allah Azza wa Jal affirmed for Himself. فَلَا عُدُولَ لِأَهْلِ السُنَّةِ وَالْجَمَاعَةِ عَمَّا جَاءَ بِهِ الْمُرْسَلُونَ So there is no way for Ahl al-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah to turn away from or to turn their back on what the messengers came with. فَإِنَّهُ الصِّرَاطُ الْمُسْتَقِيمُ Because what they came with is الصِّرَاطُ الْمُسْتَقِيمُ صِرَاطُ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَالصِّدِّقِينَ وَالشُّهَدَاءِ وَالصَّالِحِينَ The messengers, they came with the صِرَاطُ الْمُسْتَقِيمُ The path of those who Allah bestowed His favor upon from the prophets and the most truthful and the martyrs and the righteous. And we've talked about this in the tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha. So again the shaykh is emphasizing, where did Ahlul Sunnah take their belief from? Did they take it from Ibn Taymiyyah? Did they take it from Al-Imam Ahmad? Was Al-Imam Ahmad the first person to say that we describe Allah with what he described himself with? Did they take it from Al-Imam Malik? When Allah was Al-Imam Malik the first person to say, 
الاستواء غير معلوم الاستواء غير مجهول والكيف غير معقول was يعني الإمام أبو حنيفة when he affirmed this as an Imam Tahawi narrated from an Aqeed Tahawiyya was he the first one to affirm this? say no, Ahl Sunnah are following the way of the messengers the same thing the Prophet said that's what they're doing and that's the Sirat al-Mustaqeem as for all of these firaq all of these sects ask them who was your origin from where did you take your origin from So you ask the Ash'ari, where did you take your origin from? He says, Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari. He sometimes they lie and say, Abu Musa, the companion. Okay, they say, Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari. Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari. 250 years before that, what did the people believe? They have no answer for that. They say he will, people, I mean, he clarified it. But the reality is that they are believing something that has no evidence in the first 200 years of Islam. And in the first three generations, no, no evidence at all, nothing, zero. And Ahlul Sunnah are distinguished by the fact that they take their belief from the Mursaloon, from the Prophets and the Messengers. And when you ask them, who is your founder of your belief? They say, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's the founder of our belief. We did not take our belief from anybody else. We did not take our belief from Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali. You know, above anyone and anyone else. We took our belief from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He is our, he is the source of our belief. We did not take it from anyone else. And whatever Ibn Taymiyyah or whatever any imam of the imams of Islam said which opposed his belief we oppose them and that opposed the belief of the Prophet وسلم, we oppose those imams who said that and that is why for example when Imam Abu Hanifa expressed a mistake in iman in believing that iman does not go up and down we rejected it why did we not follow it and say, he's one of the great imams, one of the great scholars of Islam. One of the people who met some of the sahaba, it said he met Anas ibn Malik, radiallahu and others. Then if this was the case, why do we not follow? We don't follow it because it blatantly contradicts the Quran and the Sunnah. So we don't follow any imam. In our aqidah, we are not followers of Ibn Taymiyyah or Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab or Al-Imam Ahmad or Al-Imam Malik or Al-Imam Shafi'i or Al-Imam Abu Hanifa or anyone else. We only follow what the messengers brought. And that's why Allah Azza wa Jalla said, وَسَلَامٌ عَلَى الْمُرْسَلِينَ Salam is upon the, the messengers because their way is the way of as-salama. Their way is the way of safety and the way of security. And going against them, it puts you into trials and tribulations. Like Allah Azza wa Jal said, فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةً أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ عَلِيمٌ Let those who go against his command take a warning, lest they be afflicted by a severe fitna, a trial, or a painful punishment. The Shaykh continued, وَقَدْ دَخَلَ فِي هَذِهِ الْجُمْلَةِ 
ما وصف الله به نفسه في سورة الإخلاص التي تعدل ثلث القرآن حيث يقول خله الله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد He said and included in this sentence which sentence? In the sentence about affirmation and denial that Allah affirmed things for himself and denied things about himself. He did not only affirm, affirm, affirm. He affirmed and he denied. And a part of this or an example of this is what can be found in Surah Al-Ikhlas which is equal to a third of the Qur'an. The Prophet ﷺ told us Surah Al-Ikhlas is equal to a third of the Qur'an. When Allah said, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ Okay, where is the affirmation, where is the denial? Let's go through it. قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ This is affirmation. Affirming the name Allah for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أَحَدْ This is affirming the name of Allah, Al-Ahad. Al-Ahad. The unique. The one that there is nothing similar or comparable to him. Allahu samad This is affirmation, affirming the name As-Samad. So we've affirmed three names. The name Allah, and the name Al-Ahad, and the name As-Samad. The one who every one of his creation is in need of him, and he's not in need of any of his creation. Lam yalid wa lam yulad this is denial. This is denial. Lam yalid. Walam yulad. Lam yalid, he did not give birth. Or we, we sometimes use the word beget. Like because it's more general than giving birth. I mean giving birth is like something a bit specific. But begetting, like he did not conceive a child. Lam yalid. He did not give birth or conceive or beget, whichever. Beget is a better word, but it, sometimes people don't understand what, it, what the word means. Sometimes people see the word beget and they don't, they don't quite understand what it means. It's a complicated word. But beget kind of means to, to have a child. I need to conceive a child. So he did not conceive a child or beget a child. وَلَمْ يُولَدْ And he himself was not born of anyone. And he himself was not begotten as we say. And he was not born of anyone. This is denial. وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٍ And this is also denial. That there is nothing which is equal or similar to Allah So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala affirmed and denied. He didn't only affirm, He didn't only say, Allah is Allah al-Ahad al-Samad. He affirmed and He also denied. And that's why if we want to affirm, we also must deny what Allah denied for him about Himself. So if you ask the Christian, the Christian may well affirm much of what we affirm for Allah. 
They may well say, yes, I agree with you. Allah is Allah. Allah is unique. Allah is a summit. But then they say Allah had a son. To be complete, we must affirm and deny. And that's why some of the scholars expanded on the definition of Shaykh al-Islam when he said, وَمِنَ الْإِيمَانِ بِاللَّهِ الْإِيمَانُ بِمَا وَصَفَ بِهِ نَفْسَهُ وَمَا وَصَفَهُ بِهِ رَسُولُهُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ that from the iman in Allah is to have is to have iman in what Allah described Himself with, and what the Prophet described Him with. Some of the scholars added to that. They said that the complete definition of al-iman billah is to believe in what Allah described Himself with, and what His Messenger described Himself with, and what Allah negated about Him, and to negate what Allah negated about Himself, and what His Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam negated about Him. And you can only be complete in your iman when you do both things. Because that is what the Qur'an came with. And nafi wal ithbat. Denial and affirmation. Even in the most basic concept of la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah is built upon denial and affirmation. Denying anything that deserves to be worshipped besides Allah and affirming worship for Allah Azza wa Jal alone. Qul Allahu ahad. Allahu Samad, Lam Yalid, Walam Yulad, Walam Yakullahuk, Fuan Ahad. Perfectly balanced between affirmation and denial. Affirming that Allah is Allah, Al Ahad, Al Samad, and denying that Allah Azza wa Jal has conceived a child or been born of anyone or that there is anything similar to Him, Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. وَمَا وَصَفَ بِهِ نَفْسَهُ فِي أَعْظَمْ آيَةٍ فِي كِتَابِهِ And likewise, the, from the ayat, the, the join between affirmation and denial, is what Allah described Himself with in the greatest ayah in His book. يَقُولَ اللَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ الْحَيُّ الْقَيُّومِ لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم لهما في السماوات وما في الأرض من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض ولا يؤده حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم Look at Ayatul Kursi. Again, let's look at affirmation and denial. Allah says, Allahu la ilaha illahu al-hayyul qayyum. This contains affirmation and denial. Affirmation, Allah al-hay al-qayyum. Allah, and then obviously, illahu. Al-Hay, Al-Qayyum. La ilaha illahu denies that there is anything that deserves to be worshipped except him. La ta'khuduhu sinatum wa la naum. This is denial. Allah is not overtaken by slumber or dozing off. A sinah is to like, to doze. Wa la naum and not sleep. لَهُ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ This is affirmation. 
To him belongs everything in the heavens and the earth. مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَشْفَعُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِهِ This is denial. Who is it that can intercede with him? Meaning none can intercede with him except with his permission. يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ This affirmation. He knows what is before them and what came behind them. And in time, Allah in time and place, and in both, Allah knows what is coming to mankind. What is every single one of us? What is going to happen to us tomorrow? What is going to happen to us in one minute's time? Allah knows what is coming before us. And Allah knows what happened in the past. And Allah knows what is physically before us and what is physically behind us. Allah knows it in place and time. Allah knows what is before us and what is after us in place and time. This is affirmation. مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَشْفَعُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِهِ Who is it that can intercede with him except with his permission? Uh, sorry. وَلَا يُحِيطُونَ بِشَيْءٍ مِنْ عِلْمِهِ إِلَّا بِمَا This is denial. وَلَا يُحِيطُونَ بِشَيْءٍ مِنْ عِلْمِهِ إِلَّا بِمَا and nobody can encompass anything from his knowledge except what he wills. And it's impossible for you two to gather together anything from the knowledge of Allah except what Allah has given to you. His throne extends. Over the heavens and the earth. And the Shaykh has an explanation here. He says, And it's not difficult for him. It's not heavy on him. It's not hard on him. This is denial. Denying that anything or that denying that preserving the heavens and the earth is hard for Allah. And it's not hard for Allah. وَهُوَ الْعَلِيُّ الْعَظِيمُ This is affirmation that Allah is Al-Ali. Allah has Al-Ulu. And the Ulu of Allah is three of three types. The first is Ulu that that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself is high above his creation. This is the first kind of ulu. That Allah himself is high above his creation. The second kind of ulu is that Allah has ulu sha'an. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his status is the highest status. His honor is the highest honor. And the third is Qahr. His highness in being superior over his servants and compelling them that none of them can do anything except that he wills. So Ahlul Sunnah did not say that Ulu is only one of these things, but they said all of these things. And that's why when you come to, again, the deviant groups explaining Ulu, 
they explain ulu as one of these things. So they say the meaning of ulu is high in status. Or they say the meaning of ulu, highness, is high in his superiority and his power over his slaves. But Ahlul Sunnah said, no, ulu is all of these things. His highness of status, his highness of superiority, and his highness in himself being above his creation. Al-Azim, the most great. So you see that Ayatul Kursi is a balance again between denial and affirmation. Denial and affirmation, denial and affirmation, all the way through the ayah. That is described as the greatest ayah. Why did the Shaykh choose these two ayat? He chose these two ayat for the reasons that he mentioned. If a person were to say, what's your evidence that we have to affirm and deny? He brought two evidences. One is the greatest ayah in the Qur'an and one is a surah that is equal to a third of the Qur'an. So when you prove that the surah is equal to a third of the Qur'an and it contains affirmation and denial, then the Qur'an itself is affirmation and denial. And when you say that the greatest ayah in the Qur'an is affirmation and denial, therefore, no doubt the rest of the Qur'an is affirmation and denial. The Shaykh said regarding Ayatul Kursi, وَلِهَذَا كَانَ مَنْ قَرَأَ هَذِهِ الْآيَةِ وَلِهَذَا كَانَ مَنْ قَرَأَ هَذِي الْآيَةِ كَانَ مَنْ قَرَأَ هَذِي الْآيَةَ لَيْلَةً لَمْ يَزَلْ عَلَيْهِ مِنَ اللَّهِ حَافِظٌ وَلَا يَضُرُّهُ شَيْطَانٌ حَتَّى يُصْبِحُ And for that reason, whoever reads Ayat al-Kursi in the night, he will continue to have a protection from Allah and he will not be harmed by the shaytan until the morning comes because this ayah contains a perfect balance of belief with regard to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for that reason the one who reads it at night will remain to have a, a protector from Allah and will not be harmed by a shaitan until the morning comes The Shaykh he said, وَقَوْلُهُ سُبْحَانَهُ هُوَ الْأَوَّلُ وَالْآخِرُ وَالظَّاهِرُ وَالْبَاطِنُ وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٌ In Surah Al-Hadid, in the beginning of Surah Al-Hadid. He is the first and the last. He is الْأَوَّلُ وَالْآخِرُ وَالظَّاهِرُ وَالْبَاطِنُ and the highest and the most near. And he is knowing of everything. All knowing of everything. This ayah talks about joining between 
different attributes of Allah And this is a continuation of what the Shaykh said about affirmation and denial to a certain extent, but it's a slightly different angle. And that is joining between two names. And these sets of two names, these names Al-Awwal, Wal-Akhir, Wal-Zahir, Wal-Batin, these two sets of two only come together. We should not mention them separately. And that's why it's not correct to say or to give the name Abdul Zahir or Abdul Batin. But if you want to put this name with Abd, with the servant of, you should say Abdul Zahiri Wal Batin. Because Al-Zahir wal Batin are names that have to go together. It's only when they go together that you get the proper meaning from them. Likewise, Al-Awwalu Wal-Akhir. The stronger opinion is it's not, it's better not, or it's not correct to say Abdul Awwal. But it should be Abdul Awwali Wal-Akhir. Or to say Abdul Akhir. But to say Abdul Awwali Wal-Akhir. Because these two names only come together. Al-Awwal is the one that no one came before him. And we do not understand from this, we do not understand that Allah has a beginning. And we don't say Allah came, Allah was created first, then everything else was created. Or Allah came into existence first, then everything else came into existence. We don't say this. We say that the meaning of Al-Awwal is the one that no none of creation came before him. And every single one of creation, every single one of creation was created by the will and the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he is Al-Awwal. We have to be careful about what we don't understand. A lot of people might see Al-Awwal and think that means Allah came into existence first, then everything else came into existence. No. Allah never came into existence. Allah was never brought into existence. Because who brought him into existence? Allah has always been. Always. And so there is not with his awaliyah, his being first, does not mean that there was something before him or there was nothing before him. And it means that Allah Azza wa Jal is al-awwal, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has always been. There's never been a time when Allah was, did not exist. Allah has always been. But the meaning of al-awwal is that none of his creation were created before him. And he is the one who created all of his creation. Huwa al-awwalu wal-akhir And the last And the meaning of the last is That all of his creation Will die All of his creation will cease to exist Except those who exist by his decree And some people might say But don't the people of Jannah live eternally? Yes, the people of Jannah live eternally don't the people of Jahannam live eternally? Yes, the people of Jahannam live eternally. 
But the only reason they live eternally is because Allah keeps them alive. If Allah Azza wa Jal withdrew His life support from His creation, even from the people of Jannah, they would die. They only remain alive because Allah Azza wa Jal keeps them alive. And if Allah Azza wa Jal has promised to keep them alive for eternity, then they live for eternity. But they live for eternity by the fact that Allah Azza wa Jal gives them life and causes them life. That's why they live until eternity. So when we join between these, like the Prophet ﷺ did in a hadith, which when we make dua before we go to sleep, part of it we say, هُوَ الْأَوَّلُ فَلَيْسَ قَبْلَهُ شَيْءٍ وَهُوَ الْآخِرُ فَلَيْسَ بَعْدَهُ شَيْءٍ This is the Prophet ﷺ explaining the meaning of this name. هُوَ الْأَوَّلُ فَلَيْسَ قَبْلَهُ شَيْءٍ He is the first, al-awwal, so nothing came before him. That is the meaning of al-awwal. Someone says, what does al-awwal mean? Don't run for anyone's explanation except the Prophet ﷺ. What does al-awwal mean? Al-awwal means the one that no one came before him. It does not mean the one who came first. It means the one that no one came before him. And what is the meaning of al-akhir? Does it mean people will, nobody will live till eternity? No. It means falaysa ba'dahu shay. That Allah Azza wa Jal will never die and nothing ever will come after him. Allah will never die and nothing will come after him. Nothing will outlive Allah. If Allah causes the people of Jannah to live for eternity, they will live for eternity. But no one will outlive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah will not die. Put your trust in Al-Hay, the ever-living who will never die. Al-Zahir, Al-Zahir, the meaning of Al-Zahir is the one who is high above. Like the Prophet said, Huwa Al-Zahir فَلَيْسَ فَوْقَهُ شَيْءٍ He is Al-Zahir. So there is nothing above him. And so Al-Zahir, it means Al-A'la, or and it has a similar meaning to Al-A'la, the Most High. So Allah Azza wa Jal is Al-Zahir. There is nobody above Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why when we make dua, where do we put our hands? Down to the floor or up to the sky? Up to the sky. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is folk, above. And his fawqiyya, his being above, is affirmed clearly in what some of the scholars said reaches a thousand ayat and ahadith. And some of them said two thousand ayat and ahadith that affirm the 
Ulu, the highness of Allah over his creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Sabbihisma Rabbikal A'la. Say Subhanallah. And you'll say Subhana Rabbi Al A'la, the most high. And Allah Azza said, Wa huwa al Azim, He is the most high. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Aamintum man fis sama. Do you feel safe that the one who is above the heavens? And Allah Azza said, Inna anzalnahu fi laylatul qadr. We sent this book down from above to below on laylatul qadr. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he went to Al-Isra Al-Mi'raj, where did he go, up or down? Up. So Allah is above. He has Al-Fawqiyyah. And as we said, His Highness and His being above is of three types. Him being literally above, as in physically above His creation. Him being above his creation in status and honor and him being above his creation in compelling them and being in control of them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a zahir, the one who nobody is above him. Walbatin, how did the Prophet explain al-batin? Falaysa dunaka shay. There is nothing closer than you. So the meaning of al-batin is the one who is the closest. Now look at how these two names come together and you will have no problem understanding. If you take them separately, then this becomes a problem. Al-batin, there is no one closer than him, therefore, is he everywhere? No, because he's also al-zahir, the one who is above everyone. So the meaning of al-batin is the one who is the closest. And Allah Azza wa Jal is the closest to us, despite His Highness. So He is alim fi dunuwih wa danin fi uluwih, as the scholars say. He is alim fi dunuwe. He is high above despite his closeness. Wadanin fi uluwe. And he is close despite his highness. He is high despite his closeness and close despite his highness. When you whisper, whisper that no one else can hear it except you. Does Allah hear it? This is the closeness of Allah. When your heart beats and the blood moves around your arteries and your veins, does Allah see it? This is the closeness of Allah. That the tiniest atom moves in your body, in the depth of the night, you don't even see it. The doctor doesn't even see it. Allah sees it. This is the closeness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the meaning of al-batin. That Allah is the closest. 
And that's how the Prophet ﷺ explained it. أَنْتَ الظَّاهِرِ فَلَيْسَ فَوْقَكَ شَيْءٍ وَأَنْتَ الْبَاطِنِ فَلَيْسَ دُونَكَ شَيْءٍ You are الظاهر so no one is above you and you are الباطن so no one is closer than you. So no one is closer than you. And so when we put these two together, we get the proper understanding of Allah Azza wa Jal with relation to His Highness. That Allah Azza wa Jal is danin fi He is close despite Him being above His Arsh. Because some people may say, Allah is above His Arsh, therefore He is far away from us. How many... Yani, like it's not possible to put into, into words how high Allah Azza wa Jal is. So does that mean that Allah is like, you know when you say like, oh subhanAllah, I have, a, I have a friend who lives in Australia. And he's really far away from me. No. Allah Azza wa Jal is above his arsh, above the heavens. But despite him being above his arsh, he is closer to you than your jugular vein. With his knowledge and his sight and his hearing. And his ihata, his surrounding everything with his knowledge. لِتَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ أَحَاطَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عِلْمًا That Allah has encompassed everything with His knowledge. So despite Allah Azza wa Jal being above His arsh, He's so close that if you whisper a word, He hears the word you hear, you say. And if you were to do something in the most secret place, you know, you were to lock all the doors and put the blanket over your head and just make a single action, like a single movement, Allah Azza wa Jal sees it. And despite Allah Azza wa Jal being close, so close to you, He is separate from His creation. He is a zahir. And you don't say a zahir for the one who is mixed in with His creation. Because if He was mixed in with His creation, He could not be a zahir. Because a zahir is the one who is separate from his creation. One of the meanings of a zahir is al-ba'in, the one who is separate from his creation. So we join between these and say, there is no one closer than Allah Azza wa Jal in his knowledge, in his hearing, in his sight, in his encompassing everything that we do and say and think. And there is no one higher than Allah Azza wa Jal in his that, in his essence, in his being, in his status, in his honor, and in his compelling his creation. There is no one higher than Allah and there is no one closer than Allah. And when you join these two together, in nafi wal ifbat, like denial and affirmation, you join these two ayat, these two principles together, these are both affirmation. But their affirmation of two things that are, if you don't understand them correctly, you could say they are contradictory. Like the people who said, didn't Allah say, وَهُوَ مَعَكُمْ He is with you. So they say that must mean Allah is part of us. We say no. Because the Arabs when they said, أَنَا معك, I'm with you, it does not mean that they are part of you, inside of you. And that's obvious from the Arabic language. When I say to someone, Ana ma'ak, I'm with you. 
does not mean that I am a part of you. I have now become your heart and your blood and your limbs. When I say anamak, it means I'm with you. I am supporting you. Or you can trust me. So the Arabs themselves, they say, they say this ma'iyah, the with, the word with, they don't use it for being always for being physically with someone. But at the same time, this ma'iyah has to have a meaning. What does it mean? means that Allah Azza wa Jal always hears you and always sees you and always know what, knows what you think and what you feel and what you do. Despite the fact that He always knows that, He is still above His arsh. Because He is al-zahir and He is al-baltin. He is the most high and the most close. وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ And he is knowing of every single thing. There is a, a very clear link why Allah Azzawajal finished the ayah with al-batin and then finished it with وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ Because Allah Azzawajal, it's as though he's saying to you that his closeness is in his knowledge, his hearing and his sight. His closeness is in his knowledge and his hearing and his sight. And that's why when Allah, the, the next thing that Allah mentioned after the name Al-Batin, the most close, is وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ That he knows every single thing that you do. Then Allah Azza wa Jal said, and the Shaykh he mentions, وَقَوْلُهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى الْحَيِّ الَّذِي لَا يَمُوتِ Put your reliance or rely upon الحي, the ever-living الَّذِي لَا يَمُوتِ The one who never dies. And this is again joining between النَّفِي وَالْإِثْبَاتِ Between denying and between affirming. That Allah is الحي, the ever-living الَّذِي لَا يَمُوتِ The one who does not die. And you cannot believe that Allah is Al-Hay without believing that Allah will never die. You have to join between these two principles. And Allah Azza wa Jal said, وَهُوَ الْعَلِيمُ الْحَكِيمُ He is the most, the all-knowing and the all-wise. So his knowledge is accompanied by wisdom and his wisdom is accompanied by knowledge. And Allah Azza wa Jal said, وَهُوَ الْحَكِيمُ الْخَبِيرُ He is the all-wise, the all-aware, or the all-acquainted, or ever-acquainted. And that He knows every single thing that, that happens, and is aware of everything that happens. So here we join between these things. And when we join between them, we join between them in a way that is perfect for Allah As an example, if we think about Al-Hakim, the All-Wise, and Al-Aziz, the All-Powerful. If we think about Al-Aziz, Al-Hakim. Al-Aziz is the Almighty, the All-Powerful. When we say this word, the Almighty, the All-Powerful, what comes to mind? In terms of human beings, might and power is usually associated with 
not knowing when to apply it. You know, like we say, the bull in the china shop. Like just being powerful and mighty, but being tyrannical and not knowing, like, and just, you know, misusing that power and might. And when we say al-hakim with regard to human beings, hikmah, we think that of hikmah as being, you know, weakness. We think of hikmah as being weakness. Someone is wise because they're very weak and, you know, old man with, you know, like you think, think of a wise old man with a white beard and, you know, like very wise, very weak, you know, walks with a stick, but he's very wise. When Allah said, Hakim, He is rejecting those concepts from Himself and saying that His Izzah, His might and power is always exercised with perfect wisdom. And His wisdom is never because of weakness. His wisdom is because of perfect power and might. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we see here the perfect joining between power and between wisdom. His wisdom is not weakness and his power is not tyranny. Or is not, un, like you can say, is not, uh, is not just applied randomly. His power is applied with perfect wisdom and his wisdom is backed up with infinite power. And that's how we understand these names that come together. These names that come together. Al-Alim, Al-Hakim, Al-Hakim, Al-Khabir, Al-Aziz, Al-Hakim. We affirm each name individually for Allah. And then we affirm the perfect joining of those two names. The way that those two names join in perfection. In affirmation and in denial. So we affirm that Allah has might and power and we affirm that Allah has wisdom. But we deny that His wisdom is without power and we deny that His power is without wisdom. So affirmation and denial and that is what the Shaykh is uh, continuing uh, to talk about. I think inshallah it makes sense for us to stop, uh, to stop there. And inshallah we'll resume in the next class. Okay. I usually see if the sisters have any questions first. Nothing so far. Okay, if any of the brothers have any questions for the last five minutes, uh, the reason why I ask is because I will not have time after the class today. I have an appointment, so inshallah I will cover. Physically, like literally, literally above his creation. I don't, I mean, the word physically is not the best word because physically comes from the word I mean. I mean physics, anyway. 
but yani you get what, you get the meaning and that he is he himself in his being is above his creation and he himself in him in his own essence in his own being is literally above his creation Because these still belong, these mercies still belong to Allah. One percent was sent down by Allah. So the, the, the brother's question is, we said that Allah has no nid, Allah has no partner. But Allah has shared out His mercy. One percent He has sent down to this dunya and ninety-nine percent He has kept with Himself. The meaning of this is that this mercy still is from Allah and through Allah's actions. It is not mercy that is done by anyone else. It's the mercy of Allah Azza wa Jal. So Allah Azza wa Jal, in His actions, bestowed, because Allah is Ar-Rahim, the one who bestows mercy. Allah bestowed 1% of, of His mercy in this dunya. And because of this mercy, and note that we didn't say this mercy is shared, because of this mercy, people are merciful to each other and animals are merciful to each other in this dunya. Because of this mercy. But the mercy still belongs to Allah Azza wa Jal. It doesn't belong to anyone else. And the 99 parts of His mercy, the 99% of His mercy that He has kept for the believers, Yawm Al-Qiyamah, then this is also His mercy that belongs to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. So both of these mercies are His but it's his choice when he exercises them. When does he implement them? When does he act upon them? So he acts or he bestows that mercy 1% in the dunya and 99% in the akhirah. That's the choice of Allah with regard to how he bestows his mercy. But they're still his mercies and not they don't belong to anybody else. So they still don't have a nid, they don't have a share with anyone else. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. This is also going to come in Aqid al-Wasati, inshallah, we'll discuss it with regard to the descent of Allah Azawajal. The same thing that we said with regard to descent is the same thing that we said with regard to nearness and highness. That his descent does not mean that he is no longer risen, he has no longer risen above the throne. And if the two of them go together, they are not. This is the whole uh, purpose of this part of Al-Aqid al-Wasatiyah, that we take the two of them together. So Allah has risen over his throne and Allah descends. So when he descends, he does not leave the arsh. The arsh does not become uh, any empty. The arsh does not become empty, but we join between these two. And this is something that inshallah will come in more detail later on if we get to it in Aqid al-Wasatiyah, the Ithbatun Nuzul, the, the descending of Allah. But this principle, you can take it for all of the names and attributes of Allah. Uh, whether it's descent or whether it's any of them, none that these do not, uh, I mean, they do not 
wa al maji Allah Azza wa Jal coming with the angels on the day of judgment. They do not negate the other attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when Allah descends, He does not stop being Al-A'la, the Most High. He does not stop being Al-Ali. He does not stop being Al-Zahir when He descends. And we'll come to this inshallah in the, in the proper point of the topic. It's right to say that you belong to Ahl Sunnah. It's right to say that you belong to Ahl Sunnah. As long as you understand what Ahl Sunnah is, you understand that Ahl Sunnah is not a sect in the sense of uh, a closed group that is only open to any, a limited number of people. Ahl Sunnah is Islam, and Islam is Ahl Sunnah. And that's why we've mentioned this in the class before, that there is no harm in attributing yourself to Ahl Sunnah. In the last lesson we mentioned in detail, and maybe go back to the audio for that one, that there is no harm in attributing yourself to Ahl Sunnah. And the scholars have consensus on this, that there is no harm in saying I am from Ahl Sunnah, and no harm in saying that I am from Ahlul Hadith or Ahlul Athar, as long as the meaning of that is not that I have founded a new sect, but that the meaning of Ahlul Hadith is Islam. The people who follow the Hadith of the Prophet are the people who follow Islam. And the people who follow the Athar of the Prophet are the people who follow Islam. And that's why if you look at the other sects in general, they're all named after people and places. You know, look at any sect. The vast majority of them are named after people or connected with people and places. Maybe not all, but most of them are connected with people and places from this city, from this town, so they're known like this. From this, you know, belief, so they're known by this. Or this particular group, people and places and specific elements of belief. like The Qadariyya, specifically a particular belief in Qadr. The Khawarij are known as Al-Haruriya. Al-Haruriya. The people who uh, came from Harura and Haruriya. So all of them refer to people and places or generally and people, places and specific beliefs. Only Ahl-Sunnah have this general name that we follow the Sunnah and the Jama'ah. We follow the Sunnah and the So we follow the Sunnah of the Prophet and this is the guidance. This is a Sirat al-Mustaqim. And we follow the Jama'ah, the body, united body of the of the Muslims Sunnah and the Jama'ah and so when we make this statement we're not forming a sect or a group rather we're affirming the meaning of Islam which the Prophet ﷺ came with فَعَلَيْكُمْ بِسُنَّتِي وَسُنَّةِ الْخُلَفَاءِ الرَّاشِدِينَ الْمَهْدِينَ مِنْ بَعْدِي stick to my Sunnah and the Sunnah of the Khulafa al-Rashidin who came after me This also I mentioned last lesson in detail. That people may change the name for different places and times. For example, in Pakistan, the word Sunni may not mean what it means here, for example. And so you have to be careful because of course everyone wants to be from Ahl-Sunnah, right? Everyone wants to be from Ahl-Sunnah. Nobody wants to be from you know, Ahl al-Ahwa or Ahl al-Bid'ah. Everyone wants to be from Ahl al-Sunnah. 
So, of course, what will happen is every group will turn up and say, We are Ahlul Sunnah. You know, like, do you think that the Khawarij say that we are from Ahlul Bid'a? The Khawarij say we are from Ahlul So, we say here that we have to be careful about words and terminology that might be used in the wrong way in different places. So, it may be that in those places they have a different terminology for the same thing. But the words don't matter. What matters is that you are a Muslim who follows the Qur'an and the Sunnah upon the way of the companions and those who follow them in good. And whether you call that Ahl Sunnah or Jama'ah or any other name, that is the same concept. It's the same concept. But yes, even last week we mentioned that in many, or the week before I can't remember, in many different uh, Situations, these names and labels may be may change depending on where you are, because you may go to a country where when you say Ahl Sunnah, they understand from that something different to what you intend. You intend a Muslim who follows Quran and follows Sunnah, and they intend something totally different. So you have to use those words in an appropriate way, but ultimately the meaning is the same. I am a Muslim. Who follows the book of Allah, the Quran, and follows the Sunnah of the Messenger وسلم, and follows the Sahaba, anhum and this is the correct any. This is the this is the Sirat al-Mustaqim. So the four Imams in general, all of them, Imam Abu Hanifa, Rahimahullah, Imam Malik, Rahimahullah, Imam Shafi'i, Rahimahullah, Imam Ahmed, Rahimahullah, all of them followed the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And all of them, their Aqeedah was the Aqeedah of Ahl Sunnah. However, individually, they may have some errors because they are human beings. They are not infallible. They are not prophets. They may have some errors. For example, Abu Hanifa in the issue of Iman. Al-Iman Yazid wa Yanqus. Iman goes up and down. So they, there may be some errors in this. There may be some mistakes in this. Uh, so we don't follow the Imam blindly, as in the sense that everything the Imam says, we follow. But whatever agrees with the Imam, whatever the Imam said that agrees with the Sunnah, which Alhamdulillah is for all of them, 99.999% of, of issues, then we follow what agrees with the Sunnah because our allegiance is to Muhammad wasallam, not to any Imam. And that's why it's wrong to say that we blindly follow the Aqeedah of Imam al-Shafi'i, for example. Uh, we follow the Aqeedah of Imam al-Shafi'i wherever it agrees with the, the Sunnah. And we follow the belief of Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, wherever it agrees with the Sunnah. And we follow the belief of Imam Malik wherever it agrees with the Sunnah. But the Sunnah is what decides what is right and wrong. Uh, and so some of them had minor mistakes in some issues. Some of them sometimes said something and made a mistake. In any issue of belief, in any issue of fiqh, it's completely normal. Some of them said certain things and made mistakes. We don't follow those mistakes, but we still hold the honor and the superiority of that Imam and his status. Because mistakes are something every human being will do. You and I and everybody else, we will, all, we will all make mistakes. So ultimately what matters is the sunnah decides what's right and wrong, not what the imam said. Although what, the imam say, what those imams said was 
so much closer to the sunnah than what some followers of those imams today practice. Some followers of those imams today, for example, many of the followers of Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, many of the followers of Abu Hanifa are maturidiyah. They believe in the belief of the Asha'ira and the Maturidiyah. The Asha'iris and the Maturidis. When you ask them, you follow Al-Imam Abu Hanifa. You tell us he is Al-Imam Al-A'zab, the greatest Imam. Why don't you follow him in his belief? They say, no, no. Abu Hanifa, his belief is a deviant belief. We don't follow him in his belief. We follow him in his fiqh. Go to Pakistan, India, ask any of them. Do you follow Abu Hanifa in his belief or you follow him in his fiqh? They say, Abadan, we will never follow Abu Hanifa in his belief. His belief is the same as those Wahhabis over there. That's what they say. We will follow him only in his fiqh. In how to pray, where to put the hands, whether you are divorced, whether you are married, that's what we follow him in. As for in Aqeedah, we follow Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari, or we follow al-Maturidi, or we follow Fulan, Fulan, our Shaykh and our Shaykh. We say to them, why don't you follow your Shaykh, who is your Imam, Imam Al-A'zam, the greatest Imam, why don't you follow him in his Aqeedah? They say, no, no, he was not, this is not his speciality. We follow him in his fiqh. And as for Aqeedah, no, we do not follow him in his Aqeedah. And this is a, an evidence for the, the fact that that's not the correct way of doing things. SubhanAllah, these Imams, when you look at their Aqeedah, this beautiful book, it's called The Creed of the Four Imams. The Creed of the Four Imams, in their belief. And the fact that in belief, apart from one or two issues, Iman going up and down, a few little issues, in their belief, their belief was all exactly the same. They differed in where to put the hands in the prayer, but their belief was all the same. And their belief was the belief of Ahlul Sunnah, with the exception of some minor issues in everybody. Everybody makes mistakes. So I think we'll wrap it up there because we are out of time and Allah Azza knows best. I won't have a massive amount of time today for questions and answers. I have an appointment that I promised at 8 o'clock so I have to go for that appointment inshallah. But until then, Allah Azza knows best. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik shadu la ilaha illa anta staghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Yes, this is from the hadith. This is from the hadith, one from an authentic the hadith. Just switch that one off. Yeah, it's fine, inshallah. Perfect, inshallah. So, I'll, I'll, so, yeah. No, inshallah, we'll cover it. But what happened is, the man...